Let's start with the Nokar Mantra. Om Namo Arihantanam Om Namo Sitanam Om Namo Ayadiyanam Om Namo Vajayanam Namo Lue Savasahunam Eso Panchanamo Karo Salva Pava Panasano Mangalalancha Savesim Paramam Have Mangalam Paramam Have Mangalam the relationship between perception and reality is symbiotic. Most people incorrectly think it is just one way that reality affects perception. Most people think that reality is the territory and perception is the map that we create of the territory. Some people have great perception, therefore they have a more accurate map and therefore they are able to navigate reality better. Some people have poor perception, and therefore they have a less accurate map, and therefore they navigate reality poorly. However, many times perception changes reality, and that's why the map analogy is not correct. A map can never change the territory like perception changes reality. Can anybody give me an example where perception changes reality? Walk in the dark. You may or may not be familiar with uh, your path. If you are familiar with your path, you probably have a different perception compared to if you are unknown, if the path is unknown to you for the first time you're walking in the dark. Mm -hmm. So perception would be, so if, if I'm in the back, if I'm in my backyard, I know where the things are. Even if it's in the dark, I know where I'm mapping. If I'm, I'm, what I'm doing, I'm walking around, whatever it is. But if I'm in, in, a, in a forest or some other places, um, or somebody else is in my backyard who is not familiar with it, for them, it could be a different reality. Okay. Also, we talked a long time ago about the importance of stories and how human beings have laid a meta-reality on top of reality by communally believing in illusions, such as the value of the green pieces of paper in your wallet. That perception has changed reality. That is... If enough people believe a false thing to be true, then that false perception becomes true, changing reality. In addition to those meta-realities we talked about, we see that perception changes reality when we play a game called the common knowledge game. The common knowledge game is when reality is based on what everyone knows that everyone knows. Can anybody give me an example of the common knowledge game? The two most ubiquitous common knowledge games are politics and financial markets. These realities are too complex to map. So people try to manipulate perception instead. For example, everyone knows that tariffs don't work. 
Everybody knows that tax cuts works. Everyone knows that inflation is coming. Everyone knows that those guys over there are bad. And everyone knows that this thing or that thing is a hoax. That's why you should vote for me. That's why this stock is a buy. That's why we must go to war. And that's why our way of life is under attack. This is the common knowledge game. Because reality is what everyone knows that everyone knows. And people try to manipulate perception in order to change reality. So questions or comments on that? Hopefully I've convinced you that perception is not merely a window into reality. That perception and reality are symbiotic. In that, in those examples, the reality is not, that's not really reality though, right? It's, I think those people are bad doesn't mean those people are actually, the reality isn't that those people are, are bad. Right. But we are changing reality by taking action based on common perception. That is, if enough people believe something to be true, then that we will communally take action on that perception, false perception. Got it. Yeah. So but you're that, right that it doesn't make reality, those people bad. It doesn't actually change the truth, but it changes people's behavior. It's not as clean as an example as believing in the value of money makes money valuable. That is a very clean example that you might be looking right. for. Believing people are bad doesn't make them bad, but believing money is valuable makes it valuable. Is it kind of like um, nation borders, right? That in governments and you know all of these things that are man-made that in in reality or nature right there's no there's no concept of u.s versus mexico or border between them but because of the perception that this river forms a separation that becomes uh, that becomes our reality true and that separation is actually there then because of the disparate circumstances on either side of the border. So in this very class, we learned that changing your perception of yourself can change your life because perception is symbiotic with reality. Previously, we discussed that once you know you're a soul rather than a body, these changes happen in your life. You lose weight because food is simply an energy resource rather than an end unto itself. You lose all interest in books, television, and movies, unless they're spiritual, because they don't apply to reality. You realize most of your so-called assets are actually liabilities, like your house and your television and your phone. You're more tolerant of physical pain and discomfort, because those things happen to a body, not to you. Similarly, you're more tolerant of mental anguish and anxiety. So basically, you become a superhero when you start believing you're a soul rather than a body.
So you may get asked or you may be wondering, what is the back door to changing my life? That is, what one thing can I do to change my life right away? And the answer is to start acting like you're a soul, whether you perceive it to be true or not. Because once you do, you will start perceiving it to be true and you will know, you will realize that that is reality. So does anybody here believe that they're a soul? So questions or comments on that, how your life might change when you realize the truth that you're a soul and not a body. All right, so that is one thing. Go ahead. Realization is one thing, absolutely. Keeping that in mind 24 7 is another, right? Right. So, so that's, that's the toughest one. You know? Right. Uh, believe in that piece is, uh, I think, uh, get you to start, but then maintain that belief 24 7 is where things come harder, you know? Absolutely. And that's where mindfulness and meditation come into play. And that belief will be strengthened as your life starts to change, right? Just like when you start to see changes, if you're on a, if you're on a campaign to lose weight, it's very hard to keep it up. But when you start to see changes in the mirror, you get stronger and stronger because you know that something is happening, something is working. The same thing, when you start believing you're a soul, it's hard, but when you make those connections and you see your life changing and you see the people around you reacting differently to you, it becomes easier and easier. All right, so that's all old news. That's all things we've all talked about before, right? Today, I wanna to talk about changing your perception about the things around you. We know there are only six substances. Space, matter, souls, time, the medium of motion, and the medium of rest. Well, the only things around you are souls, matter, and to some extent, time. And we can even discount that at here at first. So let's say the only thing around you are souls and matter. Have you ever looked at the world like that? My guess is no. Look around you right now. Everything you see, chairs, tables, computer, your phone, your body, is just one thing. It's just matter. And it's useless matter. The only important thing around you are the souls. The microorganisms in the air the microorganisms in your body, your family. Have you ever looked at the world like that? Now take a look outside your window. You might see houses, trees, bugs, grass, birds, and cars. The only important thing are those souls. Those souls 
are on par with your own. They're only limited by their bodies, just as you are. So your homework this week is to change your perception about the things around you. Stop using the innumerable labels we have created for matter and think of all matter as just one thing and one worthless thing at that. Start thinking about your interactions with all the souls you come across and start believing not only that you're a soul, but that they are souls that are just as priceless as you are. You can think of it like a um, phone filter, right? Where your cameras are the eyes and you overlay this filter on it. And now you see only two things, just Jeev and Ajeev, souls and matter. And one is worthless and one is priceless. Now think of the contrast between that. That's like a black and white issue, right? I look outside. The only things I care about are that grass, those trees. I know there are bugs around there. There's a bird right there. That's the only thing that matters. That light pole doesn't matter. That house doesn't matter. That car doesn't matter. Those bricks don't matter. That concrete doesn't matter. Just as your life will change when you know you are a soul, your life will similarly change when you know everyone else is a soul. A lot of people have, it's part of growing up, a lot of people realize that, oh, everybody has their own subjective viewpoint, just like mine. And that's a good realization to have when you're growing up because you start to empathize with them more. You start to, you know, understand that they're the main character in their own story. And you start thinking about how it must be to walk in their shoes. Now, what I'm describing to you is a hyper version of that, that on steroids. That is, there's only two things. It's black and white, Jeev and Ajeev. And souls are priceless and matter is useless. And moreover, those souls are the exact, have the exact same worth that you do. Now, how might your life change when you start looking at the world like that? We talked about the, it, you becoming a superhero when you believe you're a soul. Well, this is a little bit different. How might your life change when you view the world like that in black and white? Yeah, I think uh, having that uh, difference in your mind it helps in a way that you, you know, you you, you set your priority differently. Obviously, to to chase the thing that really matters to you and and your soul. Um, you also guide others in that direction, um, and sometimes you annoy people around you. But uh, yeah. So it, it matters, it, it makes a difference when you try to choose something which is very important for you, that importance is related to what? Is it because you just want something more, you just want something you know, to possess, or it is something for your long-term future? Right. So the obvious way your life will change is that 
you'll be less materialistic, right? That's pretty obvious. But there are some unobvious ways your life will change too. When you're driving your car and you see a panhandler on the road and you think of the world like that, you're giving him something useless to help his soul, which is priceless. You're giving him matter to help his soul, which is priceless. Why wouldn't you give him more? You might do that. You know, I've I've never been the one to do that. And I've always tried to do that. It's never come naturally to me or easy to me to give money to people on the side of my road from my car. And my friend, who I respect very much, does it all the time. He has a little drawer that he keeps in the car and he does it all the time. And he might even see the same person five days a week because that he's on the drive to his work and he has no no problems with that. It's the same person five days a week. I see him the same time. I give it to him every time because it's just useless matter in contrast to priceless souls, right? Another way your life might change is you become less distracted. Sure, yeah, there's the no materialism and limiting desires and all that, but you can become less distracted because I don't know if um, this cl- some of the things we've talked about in this class has, have helped you like they've helped me, but they've, like Bhavan said, it when your priorities are different, you just focus on the ones that matter. And you let the other ones, you don't even waste your brain cycles on those. You become less distracted when all of this is matter. And the only thing that matters that is important is souls. You stop worrying about things. You get less distracted and worrying about things. And you kind of like rise above it all. And when you just see things in black and white, this whole your entire life, you've been taught to see things in gray and that it's not black and white and that the issue is more complicated and you're not understanding. And we have to unlearn that. Things are black and white. There's souls and there's matter. And that's it. And I find that we have to unlearn a, a lot of the things that we have learned. We have given innumerable labels to matter. And we've patted ourselves on the back for it because we can manipulate matter so much that we think we understand the world better when we know all the labels. We teach our kids, right? What do they call it? Vocabulary, right? What is vocabulary but giving innumerable labels to worthless things and filling your mind up with that junk? And then you call yourself educated, right? Because you know all these labels, right? But you have to unlearn that. Because, the re- because you think you know all these labels. You think you have a better map of reality. You think you can impact reality better. But it's not true. You'll impact reality more if you just learn two labels. Souls and matter. And if you just understand those two You'll have a better impact on reality. You'll change your life more than if you had learned all these labels. So questions or comments on that?
Well, what happens when you start knowing that Anikantvat is the truth? You become more tolerant of other people's belief without being manipulated by them or losing any of your own beliefs because their beliefs are true from their perspective just as your beliefs are true from your perspective. You become a better listener by trying to understand the truth of what someone is saying from their perspective. You start looking for the five causal factors that cause all events to happen and making real connections between them that change your life. You have more weapons in your fight against anger, ego, deceit, and greed. Remember that? That's the whole reason we're here. Let's not forget as we go down this rabbit hole of Anikantva that we've been talking about for three classes now, what the ultimate goal is. Let's not forget that Jane comes from the word Jina, which means conqueror. And who? what are we trying to conquer? Our anger, ego, deceit, and greed. And we could all use more weapons in that fight because we are losing. And you practice nonviolence better when you believe in Anikantva. So just as your life will change when you believe you're a soul, and just as your life will change when you believe all the other beings in the world are souls, when you start knowing and believing that Anikantvad is the truth, your life will change. So we've talked about three things that could change your life. If you believe in just one of them, your life will change. If you fake believe in just one of them, if you just act like you believe in just one of them, your life will change. And then you'll start believing. And if you believe in all three and know all three to be true, you will be on another plane of existence compared to everybody else. So questions or comments on that? Well, my question to you is, we've been have we've been meeting here once a week for an hour. And all I've been talking about is changing your life. And I would like to help you better. What is it? We believe all of these things to be true. And it's very hard to open up the book. It's very hard to start doing it. It's easy to come here for once an hour, one hour a week, I mean. But what can I do to help you start to change your life. Because that's what I'm really interested in. I'm not interested in just, you know, giving you this information and then letting you run with it. Although that's what we've been doing. Is there any way I can help you change your life? Last time, years ago, we started saying, hey, record these and put these online. And so we did that. And I think that has helped people change their life. Well, what can I help? How can I help you progress on this path? So a couple, couple comments from me, just one from today's discussion, right? A lot of our prior conversations were around believing that we are a soul, right? I am a soul. I think the 
perspective or the reminder here is that there are a lot of other souls out there, right? That I'm a soul, but you're a person, right? No, you're <laughs> a, a soul too. And the things that I interact with are the, are either souls or, or matter and the panhandler or the trees and the birds and the puppy, right? Are all souls that interacting with. So it's shifting the focus now from believing that I'm a soul that and a reminder that everyone and every, a lot of other things are, um, as well. Um, you know, comment you just made about putting these things online, right? That on, that's how I found this group, right? Listening to, listening to the, uh, podcasts, a lot of times on my run, you know, and, um, thinking about the world and thinking about things in ways that, um, I hadn't before for me again, right. I struggled with not just Jainism, but religions, um, as a whole, most of, most of my life and, um, you know, still, still do a lot of, uh, a lot of it, but it's the, the conversations that bring it down to a practical, for lack of a better word, you know, how does that actually change, um, change how I think and what is it that really believe the conversation that, uh, really piqued my interest was the one on, uh, the, the fake meat. Right, the Beyond Burgers is that that debate on um, on uh, is that meat? And I think personally, for me, those kind of conversations of um, how does how do the concepts and the philosophies translate into our realities, right? And and what does that mean? And you know, there's the extremes of what the ideal state is, but then it's also the continuum and where are we on the continuum and continuum and, um, what are the small habits that lead to small behavior change that lead to larger things that will help nudge us and shift us on in the right direction. Same with, you know, like we do with diet and exercise and sleep and other behaviors in, in this context as well. You know, what are the small habits that we can, we can practice to change our lives, um, to build those small habits that lead into the larger, larger things. You know, for me, you know, a lot of the terms and the vocabulary are still not familiar to me. And so when, when you say those things, again, for me, it doesn't click. What, what does that mean? What's the whole context and history of it? But when you, when we talk about something, you know, here's how you meditate or here's just spend 30 seconds listening to your breath or focusing on your breath. Those, those things really, um, connect with me more so than the grander theory of, of Jainism in the world. Right. So let's talk about it. What does a day in the life of you look like? when you know you're a soul, when you know other beings have souls just like yours, and when you 
know that Anikantvad will help you navigate your life. So you wake up, right? You are not worried about what you're having for breakfast. You're just worried about just having enough to give you energy. And you've at this point, you've probably just are having the same thing for breakfast over and over, right? You uh, take a shower. You get ready for work. You interact with your family. Well, that's a big one in addition to the food thing. That's a big one right there. How you interact with your family is going to hopefully be a little bit different when you realize that these are two souls, two or three souls, both working on their spiritual progress. You get in your car, right? You see a panhandler. This time you have that little box of money because you're not worried about, it's not going to, you're wor- you're not worried about giving matter to another soul if that's going to help that person. Um, you're concerned about what your car is doing to other souls, but you can't really help that. But at least you're aware of it, which is what, which is better than what we've been doing. We're at work. We're not letting other things distract us at work. That's a big one. We're not letting, um, we're interacting with other souls in different ways at work. That's a big one. We are So that's that's good. at work is going to be a little bit different from everybody. We've talked about that a little bit before. Uh you skip lunch that day because it's just matter and you have enough energy to last. And then um you go home, same deal. But when you get home, you spend more time on spiritual stuff. You don't watch television when you get home or you don't scroll through your phone when you get home. You open this book because you can't wait to get home and open this book because all of a sudden this has become the easiest thing for you to do rather than the hardest thing for you to do because you realize that the things in this book apply to your life more than anything else you could have been doing. You spend time with your family, of course. You have responsibilities at home. You have chores to do at home. That doesn't change. And so when I say that your life will change, your external life as a layperson is not changing that much. But that's never been the case. That's never been a promise that we've made. You know, before enlightenment, the saying goes, you chop wood and carry water. And after enlightenment, you still chop wood and carry water. That is from an external source. After you start believing in these things, your life doesn't change that much. But internally, it's radically different because of the way that your intentions work and the way that you react to things. So externally, it might be like, oh, you're doing more spiritual things. You're doing more, you know, more puja or more meditation. And that may be the only thing. And that's maybe two hours a day that seems to have changed in your life. But internally, your life has completely gone in overhaul, right? So, but anyway, that's a little bit of a sidetrack. So, so you're at home, you're doing more spiritual things. And then uh, you're going to bed just like any other day. So practically, those little small things that you're doing 
are changing your life because you're doing them every day. But you can't really see that from an external point of view. And in this fight, you know, we've said everything is about the fight against anger, ego, deceit, and greed. And that's where the real action is happening. Okay? So now let's go through your same day, but let's focus on where the battlefield is that is inside your mind. So you get up, you're actually not groggy anymore because you're not dreading going to work, you're not dreading starting your day because you're new, you have a newfound reality in that you have a purpose and that your purpose is doing as much nearer as possible and you know you're gonna do that at the end of the day when you get home from work. So you get ready. You don't do it, you do it easy. You're, it becomes easier to do, right? You interact with your family, it becomes a pleasure to do because you don't let the fact that your son or your daughter is having this emergency, that doesn't affect your day. You don't worry about the little tiff you're having with your wife because you're battling anger and ego and deceit and greed. You understand that she's a soul and you respect that about her, but she's got whatever this particular thing is, is her thing to deal with because it's her karma. So it doesn't affect you that much. So that makes your drive to work easier. You see that same panhandler, you feel good about it. Now notice your actions haven't changed in this second same day I'm describing on the outside from somebody observing you. But they're totally different from your point of view. You feel good about exchanging useless matter to help this soul. And you realize he is doing something for you. You are not doing something for him. Which is a totally inverted kind of thing than you previously thought about. You realize he is helping you work on your soul. Rather than you helping him benevolently. You realize what he is giving you instead of only thinking about what you are giving him. So you go to work and you're at work and you're not distracted. You're thinking about you can't wait to get home and practice this new thing, learn about this new meditation that you heard about. You can't wait to do it. You think it's going to help you. So you're not distracted at work. You skip lunch. You're not worried about it. You go home and it's your time finally. It's your one hour a day you get for yourself. You actually do this thing and you're not tired because you're energized by thinking about doing this thing. And you like it or you don't like it. You realize that this is for you or this is not for you. And then you do some, you're happy you worked on your spiritual progress. You climbed another step on the ladder and you're happy about that. And you can't wait to tell your child about that. And you do your chores. You have your chores to do when you get to go home. You got to take out the trash. But you do it with a smile. You know, you don't worry about... You know it's useless matter. And you laugh to yourself because the things inside of your house are as much trash as the things you're taking out. So that amuses you a little bit. And you get ready for bed and you sleep a little easier. And because you have just won the battle for that day. And nothing changed from an outside observer's point of view, but your relationships are getting better because 
You're not getting caught up in other people's problems, especially your family's problems. You're helping them out. I'm not saying that you don't care about your family. You're helping them with their problems. But you're not overextending yourself trying to worry about their problems, which is unhealthy. And so that's, that's it. That's a day in the life of how these concepts can help you in your day-to-day life. And from inside, from outside of you, we've said before, nothing much has changed. But from inside of you, your life is totally different. And as you build and build, and as each day progresses into the next, and your spiritual progress is, gets further and further along the ladder, you start exerting more control over your life like we talked about last time. The things that happen to you are because you make them happen, not because you're reacting to them. And so that's the deal, right? We've talked about all this life-changing stuff. Every chapter in this book will change your life. I've talked about it for so long that I'm tired of talking about it. And I'd like to help you change your life. So any other ways I can help you change your life? Do you need me to call you every day and remind you that you're a soul? Do you need me to say that on Twitter like a gym instructor, like motivating you every day in the morning? Do you need me to answer questions? Do you need me to help you talk with your children? What do you need me to do? Because if if we believe this stuff and, you know, maybe you notice that I'm getting a little frustrated... And maybe that's true. Because if you believe just half of a quarter of this stuff that we talked about, your life would already be changing. But it's so easy, right? When this meeting is over, it's so easy to get back into your habits of what you do. It's so hard to change. I know. I know how hard it is to open this book. I know that if I weren't leading this discussion, I'd be very disinclined to open this book during the week. I know that. And I'm not berating any of you for that. It's so easy when we're going to leave today to say, well, that was that. And I'm glad that I did that. But it has no relationship on what I'm going to do. You're already probably thinking about what you're having for lunch or your lunch commitments. You're already probably thinking about what you have to do after this, after our 15 minutes here is over. It's so easy to slip back into what you've been doing because you've always been doing it. So is there any way for me to help you stop doing that? I, I don't know if I can ask you a question. What makes you reach the conclusion that I, I'll admit I don't open the book during the week. Sure. But um But that, by me not doing that, what we're talking about is not effective or not helping me or us make progress, right? I I don't open the book because, frankly, I think I have a lot of more foundational things to think about and focus on and practice. Before I get to 
before I get to that point or where the book will be, I think, helpful to me, right? Because for me right now, that's very academic, right? Um, And, you know, I'm thinking and focusing more on the foundational and the pillars, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I, I don't open the book, but I... I think there's a large, you know, a lot of other things that uh, I am doing, we are doing, right? This is seeding, um, this is seeding concepts and reminders that maybe not consciously, but that they do uh, pop in throughout the day and throughout the week. certainly Sunday mornings, right? Wake up and if nothing else, not just for this hour, but for the hours uh, from when I wake up to this class and some residual effect afterwards, right? We're in in that mindset and it's like meditation or anything else, right? When you start, you're in, you're conscious about it for a limited amount of time, but it kind of grows to fill um, to fill up a larger space, right? So I, I guess I, I question or challenge what I interpreted what you said, right? In, in your frustration that you're not seeing, you may not be seeing the um, effects that you want to or that you're expecting, but at least for me, I'll say that you know, I, I see a change in my mindset and I see a change in my behavior. Maybe it's not enough to even be noticeable externally, but I certainly feel it there for whatever that's worth. That's great. I'm very happy about that. Uh, obviously, opening the book is a metaphor for doing any kind of spiritual work, but those foundational concepts that you're looking for are in the book. You are at a level where opening the book will help you. You are not needing to work on more basics. The book is full of basics. The book is basics, right? The book is the basics of Jainism. And so I think you're ready to open the book this week. Any page. Any other things I can do to... And when we've talked about this before, right? Well, we feel like Jainism is something we practice on Sunday mornings, right? And then we remember that and we're like, oh, Jainism. And then we go from the class and then, like you said, we have this residual effect where I'm going to think about it for an hour after class or two hours after class. And then, you know, our life takes over, right? Instead of us taking over our life. So is there anything else I can do to help you on your path? You should give us a prompt, right? A, a question to think about, a part of the book to read, um, an exercise to practice, you know, throughout the week or something to um, to think about through the week. Okay. 
So you okay, great. So I can make some homework assignments. How about that? Yep. Yeah. Or even you know, and even coming into this class, it's on Sunday morning. It's a bit of a surprise of what we're going to discuss. Right. right. What we're going to think about and talk about, and part of it is probably intentional. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but because I purposely don't tell you, for example, during the invite, what we're going to talk about, because sometimes I think that, oh, sometimes I think people will say, oh, I know about that. I'm going to skip this week. <laughs> and that may be true, but then I think the other part of it could be, that's a really interesting topic, even if that doesn't consume the whole or fill the whole hour. Um, it could be uh, a topic that will be even richer in discussion because we have you know, even spent 15 minutes thinking about what that, that could mean to us, perception versus reality could mean to us. Think of some examples or at least uh, you know, organize our thoughts and uh, you know, have, have a Okay, great. So we'll spend the first part of next class, each next class, talking about our homework assignment from the previous class, and we'll develop some continuity. So your homework assignment for this week is to attempt to notice that the world is black and white and put that filter on over your eyes and over your life that the world is just matter and souls. And to some extent, how time affects both. But we're going to ignore that. That everything around you is black and white. And tell me some unexpected things you might have realized. Or tell me if it didn't work for you. Or tell me that, hey, I felt something different when I looked out the window and I noticed that there's only Jeev and Ajeev. And the only thing that matters are the souls out there. And that made me see something differently. That's your homework this week. And we'll be spend the first part of next week talking about that. All right. Questions or comments about uh, anything we talked about today? Right. Next week is spring break. So that's your homework for the next two weeks. Better have a longer list. That's wonderful. Uh, just to tag on to what Shetu mentioned is, is, is absolutely right. I think the drive to this come to this class has been great. Um, there are priorities, there are differences in our uh, Sunday, uh, for instance, uh, the Sunday schedule is quite different, but this becomes the top of the priority item because not just what we learn, but part of this is, uh, is our daily reminder, daily, weekly reminder to, to you know, reset your 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 progress, um, and and it does help not just to in my family at least because we we do have some discussion, not not a very structured discussion, but there is a discussion. Like I ask his, he asks me, what you learn, what did you do today, um, and and uh, a good example of that even yesterday, one of my friends, they were they had to go to India and they left. A bird at our place. We have on the bird. We have two birds. So it's just there's a difference between the birds and the here. Here I hear the kids saying that okay, we don't know about this bird. 
at the end of the day, they all are deep, right? They, they say those words, and that that is kind of become a norm. You see a mosquito in the house, you know, automatically they, they ask me or try to do is get the net and save the mosquito, put it outside. Th those are those are uh, a daily routine that has become a daily routine for us, and 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 we've been practicing this for a while. So I have to say, it. I think uh, if anything else, you know, this class and you have helped us accelerate that 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 progress for all of us. That's great. I'm so happy to hear that. Did they ever say that what you talk about is crazy? Like when you talk about what you discussed this week, like what are you doing over there in dad's class and why aren't you doing anything we're talking about? That has never happened. In fact, you know, they, it's it, like I told you before, when I mentioned that sometimes you try to practice, you know, you annoy somebody to the extent that why are you taking this extreme? Uh, why are you taking like something really, uh, 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 um, I think it was my younger one. She she got bitten by the I think not the bumblebee, but I think honeybee or something. And and I was trying to make sure that the bee was okay. And, <laughs> and it was too much extreme. And then they were trying to like, okay, you don't need to kill anything. You just need to move it away, and we'll we'll treat your finger. But those type of things that happens, then people kind of annoy with me and my action at times. But yeah. <laughs> Did you worry about your daughter before or after? Everybody was worrying about her, for sure. <laughs> and I was worrying about her again. So uh, it was something that, you know, they remind me every now and then, yeah, they, uh, no, they don't take care of that. Pull <laughs> my leg all the time. But yeah, no, this, this class has helped us a lot. That's great. I'm so happy to hear that. Well, then we will see you two weeks from now. All right. Have a good spring break, everyone. Thank yeah, you. Thanks. Have a good break.